The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Tuesday, March 21st in Hong Kong, Monday, March 20th in New York. And coming up today, J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley may be buying the risky debt of Credit Suisse. Former New York Fed President William Dudley sees the Fed continuing quantitative tightening. And what's the new plan for the struggling First Republic Bank? Putin says he'll look at China's peace proposal. She Putin meet in Moscow. UN report says industrialized nations must stop mining coal and gas products. New York prepares for potential Trump arrest. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Risky bonds in Credit Suisse last quoted at prices at just a few cents on the dollar. The debt is known as additional tier one bonds or AT1s. These bonds are set to be written down to zero by Swiss regulators as a condition of the UBS rescue of Credit Suisse. The bonds have a value of about $17.3 billion, but of course will be written down to zero at some point. Here's Bloomberg's Paula Seligson. I think the AT1 situation is very unique because of its role essentially being meant to be written down in a moment of crisis. But in general, I think there's a lot of just unknowns and uncertainties and people aren't sure what's going to happen next and and what might be the next thing to be wiped out to zero. If anything, it will increase the borrowing costs for banks that are trying to issue this type of debt, which is not a great thing to have happen when there's already a banking crisis. Paula Seligson. Well, U.S.-based holders of these AT1s include PIMCO and Invesco. In the case of PIMCO, the firm held about $807 million in these securities. We're told dealers, including J.P. Morgan Chase and Morgan Stanley, are willing to buy these AT1s for somewhere around two cents on the dollar. The buyers of these securities are betting on successful legal challenges to the move by Swiss regulators. Well, we are being told that there is a new plan to further help the still-struggling San Francisco-based lender First Republic Bank. We have that story from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. Days after 11 of the largest, healthiest banks in the U.S. agreed to backfill deposits following a run on First Republic Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon now spearheading a new plan to help the troubled lender. Although details are hard to pin down, the latest plan would convert some or all of that $30 billion in deposits into some form of a capital infusion for First Republic to be used to bolster its finances. Both J.P. Morgan Chase and First Republic, though, declined to comment to Bloomberg on the exact nature of the proposed initiative. Shares of First Republic tumbling another 47% on Monday. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. 
Well, the Fed's two-day meeting kicks off tomorrow. The Swamps market is pricing in a 75% chance of a quarter-point hike. Aside from raising rates, the Fed has been tightening financial conditions by winding down its balance sheet. The former Fed New York president, Bill Dudley, says that he expects that process to continue. I think this is about uh, exceptional liquidity lender of last resort provision to support the banking system. I think quantitative tightening, you know, the runoff of the treasury portfolio and the agency mortgage-backed securities portfolio is going to continue unabated. Uh, I, I, I see these tools as very separate and different. So I expect that the quantitative tightening will continue. Dudley also said that the current problems in the banking system are not the global financial crisis all over again. Well, the European Central Bank doesn't see any conflict between, on one hand, its inflation-targeting mission and, on the other, its responsibility to stave off threats to the financial system. ECB President Christine Lagarde said financial stability has an impact on how the ECB sees the situation from a macroeconomic point of view. But there are two different stabilities addressing addressed by different tools here's madame lagarde price stability is the primary objective of the european central bank but we all know that price stability goes with financial stability and they are uh, both important and come together But there is no trade-off between the two. Now, Lagarde's comments kind of expand on those she made last week when the ECB raised rates by a half point, although the ECB did not provide a signal on further moves. Separately, Lagarde repeated remarks made on Sunday to welcome the swift actions and the decisions made by the Swiss regulators over the crisis at Credit Suisse. Doug Amazon is laying off some 9,000 employees. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The job cuts are on top of the 18,000 announced in January, which was its largest layoff ever. CEO Andy Jassy said the actions would mainly affect Amazon Web Services, HR, advertising, and the Twitch live streaming group. Jassy said the latest cuts came after teams completed another phase of the company's annual planning process. Amazon has been laying off mostly corporate workers after a hiring spree during the pandemic. It has periodically worked to rekindle growth in its retail division, but the current slowdown is also hitting AWS, the source of most of Amazon's profit in recent years. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. Doug, as as Tom mentioned there, First Republic was down 47% today. It's down 91% in a month, and most of that is just in the past week. Yet, banks rallied today, and the thinking appears to still be that we don't have a banking crisis. We have bad management among a few, but that's it. And one wonders why investors would take the risk. These institutions are showing you they can go to zero in a week. Industrials don't do that. Utilities don't do that. Widget makers don't do that. It's Amazing. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the comments uh, today uh, from Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson. He was saying the stress that we have seen in the banking system marks what is likely to be the beginning of a painful and vicious end to the bear market in U.S. equity. So maybe we're in the process of putting in some kind of bottom in terms of stock market price action, particularly if you begin to accept this idea that, okay, so the Fed does raise rates 25 basis points this week, but what is the probability that they pause 
at that point in time and that the new terminal rate is 5% and not 6%. It almost feels like uh, everybody who wants them to raise 25 basis points uh, has kind of a bearish position and interest uh, and that they may be talking their book. The, the Whether or not we have a crisis, we've had uh, a number of banks uh, go bust. And if that isn't a time for caution, I don't know when it would be. Uh, it, it, it really does seem that, um, you know, that policymakers may just hold their nose and raise because they want to be able to put a big, pretty bow on this thing after a very long process. And they want it to seem as though it's all gone according to plan. But, you know, if you listen to the guests that we have on the program, we've got Nancy Dowd coming up in a few moments, a private wealth advisor at Ameriprise Financial. A lot of guests are are against uh, the Fed moving, but then there are many that are for it. In the near term, balance sheet reparation, tighter, tighter financial conditions, and perhaps, perhaps a lower rate of inflation going forward. It's time for Global News. Russian President Vladimir Putin has told China's President Xi Jinping that Russia is ready to look at China's peace initiative regarding Ukraine. Ed Baxter is back with us, and he's got global news in the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, thank you, Brian. Good to be back. Uh, This is President Xi is in Moscow as part of his three-day visit. President Xi saying China wants to play a constructive role there. Putin, in televised comments, referred to the two as dear friends and said he would look at the proposal. We know that you are basing this on principle of fairness and upholding the principle of the international law. And President Xi saying the relationship is important because of historical ties, neighbors, and two big countries. We're also strategic partners. Such a position determines that we have a very close relationship. Now the West is watching at U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. The fundamental element of any plan for ending the war in Ukraine and producing a just and durable peace must be upholding the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine in accordance with the United Nations Charter. And Bloomberg's Ginny Shanzano on Bloomberg Sound On on radio says this represents a new day. We see now a new China. China is no longer just an economic threat. It is now a political threat. It is making itself a negotiator in world politics. Let's look at the axis with Iran, Saudi Arabia, Russia, China. Um, now, the timing also illustrates how little regard she holds for the ICC arrest warrant for Vladimir Putin. Uh, one other thing that the West will be watching very closely is whether there's any kind of agreement for China to provide weapons of lethal force. New York City police officers have erected security barricades around the criminal court and district attorney office, Marvin Bra- uh, Marvin Bra- Alvin Bragg's uh, office today. Uh, this with uh, Donald Trump saying over the weekend that he expects to be arrested on Tuesday. He hasn't been indicted yet. An Associated Press says a call for protests have shown, well, little signs of organization, but there is reaction. Ron DeSantis has been asked about it. I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star. Yeah, and Lindsey Graham says uh, he it will help Trump. The Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, is sounding the alarm on climate change again. The impetus today is a new report from the governmental panel on climate change. The rate of temperature rise in the last half century is the highest in 2,000 years. Concentrations of carbon dioxide are at their highest in at least 2 million years. And says coal mining has to cease. Stopping any expansion of existing oil and gas reserves. 
and says the globe is in trouble if the major industrial powers do not step up. China's aviation regulator is saying investigators are still looking into the cause of the crash of the Eastern Airlines flight almost a year ago. They say they have over 100 pieces that they are of wreckage that they are looking at. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rishad Salamat here in Hong Kong. Our guest is Nancy Daoud, who is Private Wealth Advisor at Ameriprise Financial. Nancy, it's a question I've been putting to a lot of our guests that investors have been looking at these banking issues as kind of a duration liquidity story and a management story, not so much a credit story. But as time goes on, does it turn into a credit crisis story? Your thoughts? Well, you know, it's not unreasonable to uh, realize that these rate hikes for the past year, the consistent rate hikes monthly, would bound to have an adverse effect eventually uh, and some unintended consequences, perhaps. And uh, we even, uh, the market has been pricing in an eventual recession uh, all along. Uh, What's interesting is that the fallout is coming through the U.S. banking sector, which is an area that we would all assume would benefit the most from the rate hikes. Um, But clearly, uh, last week's events, you know, for SVB and Signature, it it was essentially a classic case of borrowing short and lending long. Uh, What that means is that they took in tons of deposits during the pandemic Uh, for the short term and invested the money in longer term treasuries. And with the Fed rate hikes, um, that caused a decline in the value of those treasuries. And when um, these investors wanted to take their money out to perhaps make more money, there was a liquidity problem. So this is really just uh, kind of a, a classic case. And the whole thing was very much spurred on by a social, it was a social media driven bank run. Um, It didn't have to happen so quickly and so drastically. Uh, It felt like kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater almost. Uh, At the end of the day here, though, Nancy, that's the, you know, this is the eternal question, isn't it, for banking? How can banks ever be safe when they have short term liabilities and long dated assets, right? And, you know, the, the corollary of that is, you know, if it has engendered a banking crisis, when does that as, uh, uh, well, we have, of course, uh, Brian there alluding to a credit crisis, but more than that, an economic one. 
Well, if I mean, if every single bank depositor went to the bank and and uh, withdrew all their money, all of the banks would fail. I don't care how big they are. So you know, it, it's it's all a question of uh, taking this a little bit more methodically. And yes, it's not a credit issue like it was in the 2008 recession. It's much more of a liquidity issue. Now, having said that, if if this continues, if this panic continues, um, then yes, we will have an economic crisis. It will it will cause a great deal more number of banks to fail. Um, but I mean, ultimately, these treasuries mature, and all we got to do is wait. That's true, but if you need that money now, um, you know, you're kind of stuffed uh, because you can't sell it because you have to sell and take a huge loss. And that's what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. And no, no strong hands are going to come in and buy 10-year treasuries yielding uh, 1%, you know, just to be a nice guy, right? So they would have no. to be marked down. Otherwise, you know, because you can go out and get treasuries now and get, you know, 4%. Uh, so the only entity that could buy those or take those securities off of these uh, banks would be the feds, uh, not the federal, you know, not the government, but the Federal Reserve, perhaps. And, you know, does that look like a bailout and is a sort of a stigma against it? Well, I think the um, the feds do have to do a certain amount of that in order to just restore confidence and trust, because the entire banking industry could disappear and fail just based on pure panic and, and lack of trust. And, and we've certainly watched that happen very quickly, mainly because of uh, the, the, the speed in which information gets around. And by the time the third or fourth piece of information comes out, it's completely, totally a different story. So um, now there are two separate things going on here. We've seen the Federal Reserve, you know, they've been raising rates to combat inflation. And, and we think that they will continue to do that. And in fact, it's actually a welcome. Um, we welcome that because the whole idea of zero borrowing is is just gone. It's it's over. Um, the the Fed has to win the fight against inflation. That's their number one job. So their con the continuation of the Fed rate hikes will just continue to tighten the money supply and the liquidity. So banks have to readjust to that. They have to make sure that, that uh, they have enough deposits on uh, enough liquidity on hand to meet the depositor, uh, the deposits that they so, uh, have. Nancy, I mean, okay, that, that brings us nicely to talk about the Federal Reserve, of course, in a bit more detail. And, you know, what happens if they pause, that's perhaps seen as the line of least resistance right now. If they uh, hike rates, even 25 basis points, they're looking like they're sort of uh, deaf to the mood music out there, given what's happening with the banks, and, uh, and see if they cut, that would be panic. Okay, so that, that's one part of it. And surely pausing would be great, because at the moment what we're talking about, uh, credit, etc., and uh, the tightening, perhaps, of uh, loan restrictions and things like that, are going to do the, the Fed's job for itself. No, I don't think that's, uh, I mean, I, I, that could be true, but I doubt it. I, I think that the feds need to con uh, continue the course that they're on in order to combat inflation. And um, I, I think there's, those are just two sep completely separate issues. Uh, the, the, the banking institutions have to rearrange how they keep their uh, deposits on hand. Um, lots of investments, you know, look attractive. I mean, and as the, the rates go up, 
the cost of borrowing is going to keep going up and and that's they have to readjust to that uh, other investments will look attractive when the cost of money uh, is zero but now that's no longer the case um, so the Federal Reserve will keep raising the rates to tame the inflation and as rates go higher these unintended consequences will continue to arise yeah, these are pretty massive unintended consequences. Uh, I, I want to do a mea culpa and sort of apologize for getting too far out over my skis by saying that a lot of people who want the Fed to raise uh, are are short uh, markets. Uh, I think that was probably a step a step too far because you, you've made the case. But I think a lot of people would disagree with you. There's nothing wrong with pausing uh, to mm-hmm. see the impact uh, that this uh, <clears throat> that this uh, possible crisis might have. Uh, do, do you think that Pausing would admit defeat in in addressing inflation? You know, not necessarily. Um, I I just think that, in my opinion, and and we're telling all of our clients the same thing, is that this is not a reason to panic. Uh, This doesn't mean the entire banking system is going down. I mean, the feds are stepping in. The regulators are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's part of the business cycle uh, and why you know, having a long-term diverse and investment diversified portfolio matters. Um, we're going to get to the other side of this eventually, but we have to go through the pain of the whole pandemic era where there was money printed and and a lot of and uh, zero cost of borrowing. And now we have to get to the pain of, you know, fixing all of that to get to the other side. And um, we're getting very close to that. So why stop now? I mean, why take a pause now? We're getting close to it. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. What could you do if your data was working for you? and not against you. With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.